In Jesus' name we have prayed. Father, we thank you because you have heard our prayers. Thank you because you are setting us on the right track by the infilling of your spirit coming by your word. Thank you for another opportunity today to receive that experience. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Let's declare the word of understanding as we begin to study. One, two, let's go. Now, now remember it's a declaration. It's not a whisperation, all right? One, two, let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of it, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 And that's what I call a declaration. So that's your experience. That's what God will do for you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's greet somebody on your left and your right. Tell the person, wisdom is your portion. You are wise with the wisdom of heaven. All right, take your seats. The Lord is good. Okay, now let's um, continue what um, we're doing. Now, because um, we've had a short break for some weeks now, I need to do some significant review. It won't be too long, maybe 10 minutes thereabout. Now, let's open our Bibles to the book of um, Ephesians. We'll read two portions. Okay, let's start from the book of Luke, chapter 16. Uh, that's just because mine is open to that already. We will now go to the book of Ephesians afterwards. The book of Luke chapter 16. I'm going to read from verse 1. I don't know where I'll stop. We'll stop somewhere along the line. We'll read 13 verses. Yes. Now, I was also saying to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager, and this manager was reported to him as squandering his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give an accounting of your management, for you can no longer be manager. I'm sacking you. The manager said to himself, what shall I do? Since my master is taking the management away from me, that's my source of income. I'm not strong enough to dig. These are my options. And second one, I am am ashamed to beg. All right, I know what I shall do, he said. So that when I am removed from the management, people will welcome me into their homes. And he summoned each one of his master's debtors, and he began saying to the first, How much do you owe my master? That one said to him, A hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much do you owe? That one answered him, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. And his master praised the unrighteous manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the sons of this age are more shrewd in relation to their own kind than the sons of light. Now that was what Jesus commented when the master, and when the master of that man, unrighteous manager, was impressed by the way the man made preparations for his exit. Now, Jesus now said, verse 9, this is a confusing part for many of us Christians. And I say to you, or let me not waste time reading it and then explain it after. If you read the the companion Bible, R.W. Bollinger explained that Jesus was asking them a question. 
Is this what I am saying to you? Make friends for yourselves by means of the wealth of righteousness, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. That is, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. What was he saying? This is the natural conclusion of an average person. Listen to the things that the Lord Jesus said. You will think he was saying that make friends for yourselves. Or even apart from the Lord Jesus having passed that comment, when you hear that story and the fact that uh, the, the fact that the man acted shrewdly in the analysis, in the opinion of his um, master. You will say, therefore, what I will do is that I will make friends for myself, all right, the same way that this man did, so that when I have trouble, they will receive me into their uh, dwellings. But you see, that statement could not have been what Jesus was saying, because there are a number of contradictions therein. Jesus does not advocate such a thing. That was why I, um, that's why I, ac- I accept Bollinger's um, transla- explanation that Jesus was presenting to people what they would easily conclude. And he says to them, is that what I'm telling you? He said, now, we're going to read verse um, 10. Here you will see what is my own opinion. He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous, like this manager, in a very little thing, also unrighteous in much. This is what I am now saying to you. If you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, or righteous mammon, or money that doesn't have any righteousness attached to it, which is a bland thing, who will entrust the true riches to you? And if you have not been faithful in the use of that which belongs to somebody else, who will give you what is your own? Now, this is what I am telling you again. Jesus was still speaking. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. You cannot serve God and mammon. I prefer the expression mammon because the literal Greek actually says mammon. And then when you use the word wealth, people get the impression that wealth is um, uh, Bentley. Wealth is a Rolls Royce. Wealth is a 10-bedroom house uh, in uh, one in Abuja, another in uh, uh, in Lagos, one in Enugu, of course. I mean, you started with first one in Enugu, actually. You understand? <laughs> one in Enugu, and one in the in the UK, and one in the US. That's what we think of wealth. You cannot save God and wealth. But actually, mammon is not that. Mammon is different from this plenty wealth, which is what the word wealth connotes, you know, brings to the mind when we use it. Mammon is actually something gentler than that. Mammon is something more subtle. How do I know? Because Jesus said this is what mammon is. I'm trying to rush to get through that. Jesus says simply to us, if you're going to read Matthew chapter 6, all right, even earlier parts of the book of Luke, he said, what is mammon? What shall we eat? What shall we drink? And wherewithal shall we be clothed? Those basic things are the things that Jesus called mammon. Mammon is not great wealth. Mammon is our concern for the basic sustenance of life. Mammon is not, uh, you know, people say that, look, oh, me, I don't want any more. I don't want much. I just want what? A house, a car, and I want people to pay my children's school fees, you know, give them a decent, comfortable life. And they sound so righteous to themselves. They sound so holy. But actually, Jesus said they are just as mammonized as those who want more than that. Mammon is not great wealth. Mammon is the basic things of life. When we make decisions so as to find those basic things, you know, 
sure. One would think, okay, well, how do I make tomorrow secure? For example, this man now, you can see he was not looking for great wealth. Do you understand my point? He's about to be sacked. He's just looking for people who will agree to give him food. People who will agree to give him shelter. People who will just help him so that he won't have to beg. People who will help him so that he won't have to uh, dig. Those are just the things he's looking for. And that is what Jesus meant when he said, you cannot save God and mammon. That's why I prefer the word mammon to the word wealth here, even though my translation tried to put the word wealth to give us an English word. But interpreting other scriptures, all right, with this one, shows us that mammon is not wealth. Mammon is the basic things of life. So Jesus said, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? With what shall we close ourselves? Having security, having assurance in material things, or the money we have kept aside to provide those things, the structures that we have kept aside to provide those things, rather than having... Confidence that God will is what is called mammon. Are you getting my point? So I just need to clarify that. So mammon, many people are worshipping mammon every day, but they don't think so. They think the big man who's trying to make a billion is the one worshipping mammon. They think the politicians who's stealing in hundreds of millions is the one worshipping mammon. They think that the man who is, um, you know, working morning, afternoon, and night trying to buy uh, his own private jet and all of that is the one worshipping mammon. But the fact that he goes to uh, to work regularly from 8 o'clock to 4 o'clock, Monday to Friday, okay? It doesn't feel that mammon is in his life. Why? I don't have too much. All I have is one car. I don't have too much. I just have a small bungalow. I'm paying Federal Mortgage Bank for 25 years. <laughs> Do you follow my point? The fellow feels so righteous. Doesn't feel he's worshipping mammon. But depending on how you make your decisions, you'll be able to determine whether you are worshipping mammon or you are not worshipping mammon. That's just one thing. Now, bear that in mind, I'm going to come back to the reason uh, why we read this, or the things that the Lord Jesus was saying, and why he made a statement, even though I've talked about this some time ago here, about two years ago, why he made a statement that the sons of this age are more shrewd, now notice this, in relation to their own kind, it's important we get that context, than the sons of light. That was what Jesus was concerned about. Jesus was not concerned about the fact that a man was stealing. Jesus was concerned about the fact that this person was dedicated to what he understood. Are you getting my point? He was dedicated. That's what the master said. Uh-uh. This man who I want to sack, he didn't just walk away. He didn't just run away in a hurry. He sat down and prepared for the safety of his future. And Jesus said, "Ha! this is what the sons of light forget to do. They don't prepare in relation to their own kind for the safety of their future. And we're going to look at that. I'm going to come back to it in a moment. Let's read our main text in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. Children, he says... Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. He said, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh. That is, that they are not your masters in the realm of the spirit, they are just masters in the flesh, he was saying. Obey them with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart. Please notice this verse 6. That is actually verse 5. That's actually where I'm reading this. I just took from verse 1 to take the whole thing in context. All right. He said, Obey them with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ, not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. He said in verse 7, with good will, render service as to the Lord and not to men, 
knowing that whatever good each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord. That is the good he does to his master. He will receive back from the Lord. Whether slave or free. That is the slave one from his master, of course. Or, and the same principle applies to those who are free. Now let's go around verse 9. And masters do good to them, he was saying. Because the good you do to these servants or slaves of yours is what you will receive from the Lord. He said, give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven. And there is no partiality with him. That is, these slaves may be working for you, but just as they are working for you, so are they working for Jesus Christ. Just as they are working for you, so are you also working for Jesus. That is, both you and them, as far as the Lord Jesus is concerned, you are the same. Remember, when we're talking about marriage, we establish that there is no submission except there is equality. You understand that? We said that equality is the foundation for submission. Meaning that if I'm superior to you and you are submissive to me, you are not submissive, you are not, or you're obedient to me, you are not submissive. You've just recognized your place in life. You understand what I'm saying? And you have not given up anything. But Jesus was obedient to the will of the Father, even though he had equality with God. So that was rewardable. God could reward that because he deliberately set something aside, okay, which he had the right to. So when wives submit to their husbands, it is submission that can be rewarded because they understand that I am doing this even though we are joint heirs. With, with, with Christ Jesus. We are equal as far as God is concerned. And the husbands also understand that. So that's why they give honor to the individual. That's why they treat the wife with a lot of love and honor. Because you understand that she's not doing what she's doing because in, in the religion, like some religions are like that, they've told her that she's inferior. No, she's doing what she's doing because she understands that this is God's will for me. To be like Jesus. I have this suspicion. I'm not saying it's totally like that. This is a suspicion. Okay? I have the suspicion that those who play the role of women on the earth. I said those who play the role because Jesus said when we get beyond here, there's neither what? Male nor female. I have the suspicion that those who were female on the earth have the potential to get a higher reward with God the Father after now. Because you see God rewards that submission thing specially. So you must be careful as a human being to attempt submission everywhere you can to try it. You get my point? Because Jesus was highly exalted because he obeyed this principle of submission. He said, therefore, God highly exalted him. So I believe that if you, the day you stand before God the Father, if we all play our roles very well, the person that has the higher potential for greater reward is a woman because God said simply, for Christian women, I don't mean, are you getting my point? Talking about Christians, I understand what God did. They are the ones that have to pay a higher price in that area. That's what, I'm sure you can catch what I'm going to explain because they are stepping down deliberately and God rewards it when people do that. Now, back to what we're saying. So for the same principle applies to the servant and um, the master. Okay, let me use the word servant. It's easier for us to relate with. Okay, so the master understands that both him and me are equal with God. 
before, as far as God is concerned, each person is playing his role on the earth. Never forget that. That's one beautiful thing about Christianity. We're able to look beyond the material trappings of life. We're able to look beyond the physical things we can see and look into the realm of the spirit and realize what we really are as far as God is concerned. We understand that what some people call rich, Jesus calls poor. We understand that if you have a lot of money, you cannot even try and raise your shoulder because the richer you are materially, the more likely you are to be poor spiritually. It's in the Bible like that. I didn't say it. Blessed are they poor. Are you getting my point? <laughs> the Lord is good. Uh-huh. Look, listen. Christianity is beautiful. It makes you very humble if you understand things. If you understand things, you know, you will pray harder the more men praise you. Because if it gets to your head, if you mistakenly enter your head, you're in trouble. So the bigger you get, the humbler you must deliberately be. Every time people meet, you know, we just came from, from Abakliki, you are aware of that, you know, we were there this morning. Ah, people say, oh, you have so, I've been following for a long time, you have changed the way I think. I say, I will thank God. <laughs> we give God praise. It's grace. Ah, it's not me. You have to keep, it. look, when I say such things to you, I'm not being nice. I'm saving my own life. Because if I don't say it, I'll start believing you. You'll not get me killed. Is that good? <laughs> No matter how what good things you say about me, I will tell you, oh, we thank the Lord. Oh, it's God. We give him praise. We give him praise. He's the one. He's grace. He's grace. And it's not, it's not, uh, you know, I'm just trying to be humble. No, I'm telling myself the truth. Because if I start believing you, Omo, or Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Okay, so in life, you have to do that deliberately. That's what the Christianity does for us. It helps us put things in proper perspective. Okay? Not just interpreting uh, those two scriptures. Let's now go on. Do our beautiful review. I'll talk about the night. Say the thing I want to say for today. And then we'll be out of here. Now, what have we been explaining? The culture of faith is our series. And I want to just emphasize it again because we have had a short break. So let's just connect with what we have been doing in case some of us may have um, forgotten. We are saying our blessings are in the realm of the spirit. They are real. They are not imaginary. They are real. Everything Jesus did for us is the blessing. Is kept in the realm of the spirit. Paul said, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing, but they are where? In heavenly places. Not by our works, but in Christ Jesus. We have believed that. And then, one thing we have been explaining is that even though those things are spiritual and they are real, let me put it like that, even though they are real, they are in the realm of the spirit. And the spiritual realm is like our power generating plant. I was reading the news a few days ago, about two days ago now, and the generating companies of Nigeria, you know, like in Enugu now, this district, we have what they call EEDC, which is that's generating. The distribution company, sorry, I wanted to say. So distribution companies, we have in Enugu, we have EEDC, which is a what? Enugu Electric Electricity Distribution Company. We have Kaduna, they have their own controlling part of the north there. Lagos has the Eco, now, they came together and they replied the minister. They were very angry because the minister was essentially accusing them of being the cause of the problems that we still have in the power sector. I didn't read the minister's speech, but from their response, I guess what he, what, what he must have said. For example, they said metering, all right, making sure everybody gets a meter. He said it's their responsibility. They reminded him that that was not what you said last year. You know, something like that. Now, I'm not, I want to talk, I don't want to talk about the details of their argument. The, now, this is where I'm talking about it. 
he explained that the generating companies, they have the Jenkos, all right? We have the discos, distribution companies, and the generating companies. And in between them is what? TCN, Transmission Company of Nigeria. So he's been saying that tra- transmission uh, generation has been heavy, but that they are refusing to accept the power generated for onward distribution to the consumers. He was trying to say that we have a lot of power ge- being generated right now, so if you are having more black cows than you should have, hold the discos responsible, that they are not doing what they are supposed to be doing. And they were really angry, and they came together and issued a press statement. That what does the minister mean? Now, this is where I'm going. He, they gave, I don't know whether they're right or wrong, I just it's the principle I want to dig out from it. They said, look at the amount of power the transmission company can carry. That even though he's saying that they generated this heavy amount, first they were arguing with him that you are not even generating as much as you we should. The capacity is not being maximized because there's no gas. But their, their emphasis was that even if you generated more than that, and that's why nobody's bothered, that the transmission company can't carry it. That even if we expand our capacity, who will bring it to us? That's why I, I read that I said this is what Christians should understand. That there's what is called transmission company of the spirit. Are you getting my point? And that transmission company of the spirit is called the culture of faith, which is what I'm talking about. They recognize that, listen, we know you are improving generation. We know the generating companies are working harder than before. But no matter what they generate, who will bring it to us? That the capacity of the transmission company has not increased enough to carry more. In fact, that everything being generated right now is not transmissible because there's no capacity. What am I saying? Jesus has generated infinitely above all that we can ask or even think. But they are locked in the spiritual realm. And how does it get transmitted to the physical? How does it get transmitted into the realm where we can use it? There are capacities to build. We need to lengthen our cords. We need to increase our the size of our pylons. We need to add more to it. We need to have a lot of infrastructure to transmit from where Jesus kept our blessing into our lives. And until that is done, no matter what has been generated, it doesn't benefit us. That's what they were complaining about. That don't lay, don't put the whole blame at the doors of your enemies. All my enemies die by fire. <laughs> Are you getting my point here? That listen, Jesus has demonst- generated it. We know. Nobody is stopping it apart from you. You don't have the transmission capacity. And that's what we've been teaching in this series. The transmission capacity, unfortunately, is what many doctrines, many churches, many preachers today are undermining by their teaching. They say to you, you have been made righteous in Christ Jesus. What you do outside does not matter. God will not send you to hell for it. Who's talking about going to hell? We are saying that Jesus generated 50,000 megawatts for you. You can't even light a 200-watt bulb. And somebody is saying that uh, you're righteous by faith. Well, I know I'm righteous by faith. But how come this blessing is not getting to me? You keep on emphasizing to me that I'm righteous by faith. And I'm not doubting it anymore. I'm just saying I will not see the blessing. That's what Jesus is saying. Except my transmission capacity is ramped up and maintained. And Paul said it clearly. Seeing that we have these promises. Let us cleanse ourselves of all defilement of flesh and spirit. We're not here to be arguing about, uh, can you, if you are once saved, can, will you remain saved? We are saying if you are once saved, you will not see one iota of that blessing all your life if you don't do what Paul said. Cleanse yourself of all defilement of flesh and spirit. We are saying there are certain cultures, habits, that's what we mean by habit cultures now. There are habits, there's a lifestyle we must have. 
or there are lifestyles we must have that we allow spiritual blessings to come into our lives. That we convert that which is stuck in the realm of the spirit into practical manifestation in our lives. That we step down, you know, you know, today I was teaching in Tabak Liki. I, I, I explained something. I've never used that explanation before. Talking about preparing to receive, you know, the blessing from God. How Elisha was prepared by proximity with Elijah, uh, uh, with Elijah to receive something from him. From God, actually, not from him. And I explained that when Jesus received the, the whole anointing of the Holy Spirit possible, he got up and walked away like nothing happened. And that is one important meaning of when the Bible says the Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove. Every other person that got small blessing, small anointing, they fell down. People start misbehaving when anointing comes upon them. So they say, is prophets also amongst the prophets? Some of the misbehavior is just in the flesh. We think, well, I mean, like, you're just physical, you dance around, you stagger like you're drunk, thank God for that. Some people, small blessing like this, eh, they go literally crazy. You give him financial blessing, you wake up in the morning. He does one line, he doesn't go, he stones the phone against the wall. What rubbish is that? Give me another one, you know? You just know money has removed his ability to reason. <laughs> That's what happens. We have to be prepared to carry this thing. We have to be prepared to carry the blessing of God. And by our lifestyle, we do that. That's what I've been teaching. There is a blessing that God has given us, for example, in the area of marriage. No matter how great it is, except you learn these basic words, your transmission company will not be able to bring the blessing of marital harmony into your life. You won't be able to receive it. What are the words? Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. Husbands, Love your wives like Christ loved the church. You will see that every day, decoding. Do you get my point? Decoding, decoding, because every day you have a new understanding. Are you getting my point? We talked about some things that have to do with receiving financial blessing. We talked about that before. I'm not going to about those things now. All right? Now, now, just, you know, I said all of this just to connect with where, where we are, where we have been because we had a short break. If anybody listened to this one in the recorded format, you won't, you know, it's just the next message. But for us here, We've had like a, this is the third week since that time, okay? So just to just connect those things. So where we are right now is one of those things that we need to get involved in if the blessing of God will manifest in our lives. We have seen that God is very concerned, listen to this, about relationships. Husband to wife, wife to husband, that's a relationship. Parents to children, that's a relationship. Servants to masters, that's a relationship. Your faith is shown in your relationships. If it's not demonstrated in your relationships, it's not genuine. It's easy to worship God. People tell me things like that. I just love the Lord. I want to roll before Him. I want to hug Him and kiss Him. I want to worship. I can roll on the ground, you know, when we are, when we are worshiping God. Can I say something? She is not too impressed with it. Yes. You know why? He said, anything you say you are doing to me that you cannot see, I will only see it as you are doing it to people you can see. You that's rolling before me, nobody can correct you. <laughs> I don't know whether you're getting my point. You will not refuse to do something just because it will offend your friends. You will refuse. You say, I have my life to live. Then you come and roll before me. You'll be amazed how God judges things. Many of the things we do, it's just for the Lord. He said, I just want to hug him and kiss him. 
Oh girl, hug, uh, hug your husband and kiss him in the proper way first. I, I don't know whether you get my point. Let me see how you physically demonstrate your respect for him. You want to hug me and kiss me? Do I look like somebody people kiss? The men who want to say the same thing, although it's women you already that say such things. You know, the men that want to say the same thing, assuming there are men like that, God is looking. Oh, oh boy. I don't know when last you hugged your wife for no reason, you know. You're not looking for anything. You just want to say, oh, baby, come, let me hug you and let me kiss you. Let, let me tell you a joke, something that happened. Once some of us married that time, I was working on my computer, I was working, you know. I was writing, I think I was just walking, walking. So, and there was no accumulation, you understand my point? There was nobody, just my wife and I. So, it can get lonely when your husband decides to be working, when you are the only other person in the house. When he's the only other person for you to relate with. So, one day my wife now said that, uh, was I reading that day? That look at yourself. You are, when last did you even, when last did you even tell me? That this one last was hours though. How long have we been married anyway? It's not so long. Eh? When last did you tell me you love me? When last did you even hug me? When last did you even kiss me? So I turned from the book. I said, I love you. I hug you. I kiss you. <laughs> <laughs> and I continued what I was doing. <laughs> but you know, there are times you, you, you are in the zone. Nobody should disturb you with hugging and kissing things. I mean, I don't know whether I was writing or reading. So, you know, studying something very serious, which I'm teaching today. Praise God. You get my point. <laughs> Yes, I love you, I hug you, I kiss you. <laughs> what am I going to say? In the back to our main message. The point is that you cannot claim to fear God who you don't see. If there are no human beings you actually respect and you don't want to offend, you are deceiving us. We're not talking about your fear of man now. We're just saying things like, listen, why offend my brethren? You get what I'm trying to say? That's what we're trying to say. So God, listen, he is interested our faith is manifested in our relationships. If we claim to be believing God, it manifests in our relationships. It will. When we're talking about money matters, if you are not generous, you are not believing God. Now, let me say something again. I'm not talking about raise an offering. This is the seed heaven is waiting for. You will plant this seed today. Say, this seed is for my destiny. Let me say it to you again. It's not true. I hear Christians preach, that thing preach to them all the time. Somebody said, four there one to me today. He said, I want to take an offering. I didn't plan for it. And I said, you will never plan for these things. That's what you always tell us. Tell us. Remember, we see you do it ten times, and you tell us you did not plan for it. <laughs> so this is seed heaven is waiting for. My brethren, don't worry yourself. Let me just tell you something. The day you will sow the seed heaven is waiting for, you won't even know you are sowing that seed. Please bear that in mind. They came to Jesus. He said, come into the joy of thy Lord, because when I was hungry, you fed me. They said, when did we see you hungry? They were surprised. They said, when did we see you hungry? And we gave you food. But so that's why, again, let me digress. When Christians are saying that, that day as I was planting that seed, I knew heaven was opening. Just tell the brother, say, oh boy, that was not the one that opened heaven. The one that opened the heaven, you can't even remember. It will take Jesus to explain it to you. To you will have been inconsequential. To you is nothing. And it's not always money. You, let, me, let me put it like this. You just won't know. So I preach then, what is the key? Is the continual doing of what? Good works. Just do it continually. If anything, you can't make a habit, it's not blessing you. If you can't make it a habit, it's not helping you. I tell Christians all the time, when you go to church, somebody today you're going to sow a special seed. Give. Giving is good, but don't count on it. Giving is good, don't count on it. 
Just do it and walk away. If somebody says to you, look, please, let me help people, right? Today you will clear your account. And you will say to God, it's the day of my breakthrough. Don't answer them. You hear it all the time. Bank is said, don't answer. Clear that account. Only one thing will happen. The account will become empty. Listen, no breakthrough. And if you have done it before, I've come to solve your problem. That's why you didn't get anything. That's why you are still where you are. It's been 18 months since you did it, and they told you to be in six weeks. This is 18 months. What have you seen? Nothing. Why? You are not supposed to see anything. Should you clear your account? I keep on explaining it. Please, I've said it in so many times. I pray that God will soon give me the leave to stop saying it. Should you clear your account? This is my simple question. Listen to this. If you have a wife you love and she's sick, they need 2.5 million naira to treat her and she will be well. And you have 1.8 million. Do I need to preach to you to clear your account? You will first clear the account. Then you will sell the car quickly so that the money you will borrow. You will balance it. And they say these are the drugs. You will pay for the drugs sharp sharp. You will pay the hospital. Do everything. Just make sure my wife is well. If she comes out well and they say you are owing 700,000, you will still look for something else to clear and pay them off. Why? It's called love. Were you looking for something when I, when I pay, she will become two wives? No. <laughs> you have a son like that, the same thing. Even if they say this treatment is a 50-50 chance, you will still pay. Even say to, if they tell you only gives a 20% chance, you will still look for the money. So should you clear your account? It depends on whether your heart is there or is not there. When you find something worthy to clear your account for, you will clear the account. If I have to tell you clear it so you can be, you can be blessed, don't bother. I'm lying to you. If I cannot, uh, look, one of our brothers called me the other day, he said, he said yesterday, he said, sir, this particular, I just heard one message you preached. Some people are doing this kind of outreach. He said, is it a recent message? I said, yes. He said, can I send money? Instantly called me, he said, can I send money? He said, this kind of work is going on. That is the kind of thing that blesses people. I didn't preach to him, so he said, he just heard me preaching. And when in one of those messages, I described some mission work that is going on. He called immediately. He said, I just need to listen to this message. He said, how can I put my own in? Should you clear your account? Believe me, if what they are asking you to clear your account for, if it's worth it, you will clear your account if you love the Lord. But if you just an arbitrary clear your account so God can bless you, please stop wasting your time and mine. I can assure you of one thing, he's not planning to do any such thing. Learn to give not to yourself. Are you getting my point? Not because of you, but because of something else. That's what, that, that's what we're trying to explain. The gospel must be preached. It must be. Ask yourself after now, how am I financially preaching the gospel? You get my point? You are eating. The gospel is not being preached. Share the food. You used to eat three times a day. What are you doing with three times a day food? Drop one. Are you getting my point? Yeah, I'm ser- Look, I'm very serious. The gospel must be preached. If you believe it, you will preach it, even financially. But not go and do something strange so that God can bless you strange. Nothing, look. By now, you should know, you should know some things that God is not doing. Everybody's that and yakking, yakking the way about it. Just know that God, God is not in that one. Broad is the way that leads to foolishness. I've told you the truth. 
Every preacher will show up. I didn't plan this. I didn't discuss with your pastor, but I feel like taking a special offering for your good. It's a lie. It's not for your good. I've, I've told you before, I've, I've raised money for things. You've seen me here. The other I said, look, I'm taking the announcement three times. God didn't send me. To, if you give, you will be blessed. I just want to collect the money for an important thing. And I like the way people here responded. You are, you are witnesses. I didn't come. I said three times we're taking the announcement. We took the announcement three times. People were hearing and saying, can we contribute? That's the kind of thing I will, Christians should be doing. Look, when we get to this, I get stuck. Maybe because I watch too many funny videos these days, so it fills my head. Gets me upset. The Lord is good. So, what we're saying, our relationships matter. That's what I'm trying to emphasize. That is where our faith is demonstrated. James said it. How can you say you love God that you don't see? You say, be filled. You have money. Somebody's hungry. You are praying for him. So, your faith is not working. If your faith was working, your faith would make you generous. So, you are hungry. Wait. I have 1,000 naira here. I need it too. Here, you take 300 from it. Is that enough? Go and eat from it. Then let me pray for you. That motto will not jam you when you are going to where you will eat. Then I know my faith is working. Because that faith made me generous. I can part with the little I have. Then if I tell you that it shall be well with you, believe me. Because really, I'm walking by faith. And it's shown in how I relate with you, my brother. How I relate with you, my sister who is hungry. Now, so today we are emphasizing on this matter of... um, Servants and masters. That is one place also where our faith will be shown as Christians to be genuine. This servant and master relationship here, this this it reflects it, it reflects more of the boss to the worker. Are you getting my point? You work for the government and you are a government worker. You work for a private person. You you know somewhere your boss, the company is the boss. You are a private person. You are an employee. It's the same principle. Listen to me, the culture of Christianity is what we are discussing. And that's what I want to explain today in that area. Your blessing, listen, your blessing will not show up all of a sudden. You can give all the offerings you want, pray all the prayers you want. If you don't set these things in order, they will not come. That is the blessings. What is the point we are trying to make, it, we are trying to make in this one? What is our culture as Christian workers? What is our culture as Christian workers? Jesus said that in Luke chapter 16. Now we'll now go back to that Luke chapter 16. Don't bother opening to it. We've read it already. He said, this is how you know people who have faith. There are two ways to do things. There is a worldly way and there is a Christian way. Now the world, now remember what we said earlier. Jesus said this is what the problem is. The sons of this age, they are more shrewd. They are more dedicated in the things that have to do with their own than the children of light are dedicated to the things that have to do with their own side. What do I mean? Listen to this. How many of us here have been to a church where they planned investment for the future? Now, please, just put up your hand. I, I want your hand to go up. I'm not saying you're the one that arranged it, but you've been to church and we are planning investment, how to invest financially for our future. Please, put up your hand. Please, put up your hand. All right, good. I think uh, we have at least uh, 40% of people here. Okay? Most likely, the principles of investments taught are the same ones you read in common business books. Truffles? No, answer me if you're here. When you enter those bookshops, what do you find? Two-thirds are Christian books. One-third is what? Answer me now. Business books, right? Motivational books. Two of them mixed together. 
When Christians want to plan for their future, like you saw this man planning for his future here, this is a complaint Jesus had, or he has till now. In a corrupt society, when a corrupt man wants to plan for his future, he uses everything within his, you know, you know, within his reach. He will bribe, he will steal, he will do all kinds of things. Why? My children must be well taken care of. He will hide money in different parts of the world. And the master said, that's a good man. Now, please get what I'm saying. I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm saying what? That's a good man. He has applied himself diligently to the things that he has. If the mafia done wants to plan who will take over the family, he knows what to do. He shoots everybody that is not in support of his son. He Look, he does everything. You know what the master there was saying? That's a good man. When a violent society in the, in the mafia world is dog eat dog, it's survival of the fittest, don't trust anybody, if you're in doubt, shoot. You know that kind of thing. And he does it diligently so, the, so that Michael Colioni can take over. Do you, you are getting my point. And when Michael is taking over, if you ever saw that film, he, his father told him everybody that's likely to be a traitor. And Michael went out to shoot everybody that looks like a traitor, including his brother. Because his brother joined his enemies to plot against him. You know what the master was saying? That's a good man. He said, how, how can you say like that? Solomon did the same thing. Go and read your Bible. Solomon, he took out Joab, took out his brother. What is his name? Ad- Adonijah. Ab- yeah, Adonijah. One by one, looked at one priest. You served my father very well in these days. So you can go back to your family. Solomon, original mafia done. He, look, God gave him wisdom more than that of Michael Colioni. He arranged everybody. And God said, that's a good man. Because I hope I'm not confusing you yet. I will soon get to where I'm going. So you see, in what is theirs, they follow it. But when Christians now gather, they go to the mafia, borrow some things. And the pastor will be told, don't let your members know what you are reading. So that they won't know where you are getting information from. A friend of, one pastor I met, somebody actually told him that. 48 laws of power. That's what they are operating. It was reported to me, I wasn't there, but one of my pastor friends reported it. A man, a pastor's meeting they were teaching. He said, you must never apologize to your subordinates. When I heard it, I said, what? He said, yes. Another person said, oh, 48 laws of power. Can you see what is going on? When the songs of this light gather, Jesus was saying, instead of them to be 100% dedicated to what is their own, they are not. If you see, I painted about three pictures for you now. A man planning his financial future. A mafia done planning, you know, the future of the family. Are you getting my point? And you see, they, were, they are dedicated. That's what Jesus was saying. But when the songs of light come, when you tell them what they are supposed to do, they don't do it fully. They mix it. You know what Jesus said? This is how Christian workers behave. They understand, first, whatever you will receive is from God. All good and perfect gifts come from above. A man can receive nothing except it is given to him from above. So Christians believe 
100%, they are supposed to do 100%, that God is the one that will give them the reward of their inheritance. For that reason, whatever they want to do, they want to please God so that he will give them the reward of their inheritance. So Jesus said, this is what you will do to please me. You will make sure you are faithful in what? Little. That's number one. Number two, you will make sure you are faithful in that which belongs to somebody else. So if Christian in churches, we are supposed to plan for our financial future. We're not supposed to go and buy business books. We're supposed to gather. And I will declare, for example, I'm the pastor of a church. Tomorrow we are going to establish a financial future in a program starting tomorrow for the next one week. And I'll spend the time to teach believers how to be faithful in little. I'll spend the time to teach believers how to be faithful in that which belongs to somebody else. Next question. How many of you, I want you to put up your hand, have been to any church, including Kingdom World Ministries, where, okay, let's remove Kingdom World so that you won't put up your hand to please me. Now, <laughs> I just remember we did a program some time ago. That's why I had to drop that, okay? How many of us have been to a church and the program was organized on how to be faithful in that which belongs to somebody else? I have one hand here. We have two, three, four, five. Good. This time around, we have less than one. What, what am I saying? We have a tiny fraction of the number of hands that we had before. Let me tell you the truth. That was what Jesus meant. That you see, the sons of light, they are not as faithful in things that have to do with their own. So that when you go to a church, you are learning what you could have learned in Rotary Club. When you go to a church, you are learning what you could have learned in any investment meeting. And Jesus said, that is why you guys have not been distinguished. Actually, it's a sign of lack of faith. You know what he was saying? If it takes you to lose money serving in that place, please do. And I have two stories to tell. One of them from the Bible. Jacob. Jacob's record with Laban. We're talking about Christian culture now. Please don't forget. We are saying how Christians are supposed to behave. You should walk in a place before they know. Even if they, they don't know you're a Christian, they should already know that something is different in your attitude towards work. Jesus said that's the key to your financial future. He said if you lay up money on the earth, moth will destroy and thieves will break in and steal. Please, you cannot cover money laid up on the earth with prayer. It's going. Jesus will not disobey himself because of you. There is no way on this earth you want to plot for your financial future, your financial destiny. There's none. As a believer in Christ Jesus especially, because God is jealous over you, he will ensure every other plan you have apart from him fails. Like I said all the time, you either believe or you don't believe. If you believe, this is what you must do. It must not. You see, when they say that shall not steal. For us, it's not a commandment. It's an understanding. It's, for us, it's beyond a commandment. When I'm stealing from you, I'm not stealing from you. I'm stealing from my destiny. I'm eating my future today. I don't want to steal from you. Please, it's my destiny we are talking about. It's not whether you catch me or you don't catch me. God catches me every day. If I was caught before I did it. I'm not trying to be faithful to you. I'm trying to be faithful to God. So that even if you, there is no chance on the earth you'll ever catch me, I still will not do it. Not be, listen, please, you must understand. I'm not being nice. 
I'm being smart. I have understood that this is my future we are dealing with here. I will not sell it for a morsel of meat. I won't. So don't need, you don't need to tell me that I shall not steal. Why should I want to hurt myself? If I'm stealing, it's a sign of lack of faith. This is what marks out Christians, this understanding. We gather and say, okay, we put 10% down. God say, you don't need 10%, put it down. Lay this one aside the regular. We teach it as a general principle. There are different ways these things will manifest in people's lives. What is that that applies to everybody? It's simple. Teach every believer in Christ Jesus. Faithfulness. We're talking about workers now. In that which belongs to somebody else. Listen to this, including the federal government. Once in my office, <laughs> some people came to me. I was head of the department at that time. She said they wanted to do photocopy. Departmental photocopy. Where we had, where they, where we used to photocopy. We had a scanner and a printer. So that's how we did our photocopy. I think the scanner was bad or the printer had an issue. So two highly placed civil servants showed up and told me that I should give them, is it 100 naira to go and do photocopy? For those who are listening to us who are not Nigerians, 100 naira is one third of a dollar. A little less. That's one third of a dollar. Is it up to the one third of a dollar? Yes, about that, one-third of a dollar. Two of them in front of me combined salaries in hundreds of thousands a month. <laughs> so I looked at them. And they said, well, not the photocopy. I said, okay, go and do it now. And that uh, maybe they want to hand it to the secretary. The secretary is not going to do that for you. It's your business. It's your own stuff. They are going to use to process something for you. He says, departmental work. He said, okay, I should give them money. I said, I'm sorry, I don't have. I don't have. It's not as if I'm broke, but I'm, I don't have that I'm not going to give you. You know that kind of I don't have, kind of I don't have. We all know. So they also don't have. Say, okay, go and drop it with the secretary. When the department has, we do it. I'm a very wise man. I hate to fail. <laughs> I knew I will catch them. Because they knew what I was going to do. I was going to leave it in the files. And they're going to stay there. And their payments will not be processed. Because, no, they're not saying that it's departmental work. I said, there's no problem. I told you, go and drop it with the secretary. The day department has a hundred naira. Oh God, I was offended. Why can two adults, any hundreds of thousands combined in a month, they can't produce a hundred naira? Why? They say it's hospital work. Around that time too, when I was head of my department, I went to the CMAX office. They just took office that time. Now, the CMAC, for those who don't know, is the second in command in the, t- in the teaching hospital, all right? So, and generally, well, most HUDs just report to, this was a woman, her directly. So I used to go to her office a lot. So one day she was lamenting to me. Now, Christians, listen to how Christians are supposed to be. That's what I'm going to say. Now, she said something to me which was sad. Now, this is how, this wrong thing that happened is the way typical civil servants behave. Of course, they'll, maybe if you get to a particular laboratory or one segment of the hospital, they'll say one machine is not working. So she just take a stroll there. Maybe they'll repair people. Let's just say, what, why are we having problems with, with this stuff? Why do we have to send our patients or their relatives outside when we're supposed to be able to do this? Oh, so and so machine is not working. She, she was telling me this, that she would get there, what would she find? A machine worth maybe 5 million naira is not working because a socket of 200 naira is bad. A place where wage billing, let me just give you an idea, is 550 million naira a month. Don't insult federal government if you know what they are doing. Don't. 
weep for the federal government. They spend money. Almost 600 million naira every month in salaries. A machine worth 5 million naira will not be working. And if this woman says she walk in there, and the next thing you hear is, eh, one socket is bad. How much is a socket? Okay, let's even push it. 500 naira. We are pushing it to 500 naira. And what's the general attitude? It's government's property. Why should I use my money? Christians, let me tell you the commandment of God. Dip your hand in your pocket. Pay. Go, don't even tell anybody. Go to the market. Buy a good one. Donate it. If they give you your 500 naira back, you can collect if you wish. I'm not saying it is evil to collect. But how will you go to sleep that a machine worth 500 for 5 million naira is not working? And patients are sick. They are not being served. And they have to live and go somewhere else. And the department has in mind <laughs> their total salary in a month. I don't know how many millions it comes to. Those who work there. They couldn't bring out five. It was less than 500. I'm just saying 500 to make it easy. Bring out 500 naira to repair the machine. Why? It belongs to the government. Make a long story short. They are not faithful in that which belongs to another person. That is why many people will work and work. After 30 years, they will retire. God will send them into poverty. They won't know why. God said, I gave you 30 years to plan your retirement. But you went and registered in investment banking. You went and registered where they will be laying up treasure on the earth. And I sent MMM to you to entice you. They collect all your gratuity. It is my deliberate attempt to show you that moth does destroy and thieves do break in and steal. That what you will have done, you will have taken it upon yourself to make sure that those machines, as much as it is within your power, even when it takes your own personal money to fix it. And you don't have to brag to every, anybody. I'm the one that did it. Just do it and keep going. Why? You are being judged on how faithful you are in that which belongs to somebody else. As a matter of fact, we hardly hear teachings. When we are talking, talking finances, most of the time, I see Christians, what we do is lie to ourselves. I've said it, look, okay, I'll keep saying it. It's a commandment of God, quench not the spirit, so let me continue to say it. The thing, look, it is not those things you do deliberately. Today you will sow a seed and say, this is for my destiny. Huh? That one is for the pastor. It's good. In fact, apostle, we should take an offering for the destiny of the food we eat this night. Are you getting my point? Yes, it's for me and you. You understand? All the food that are sowing the seed is not for them. Don't, don't be deceived. It's not for you. If I want to tell you the real truth concerning the seed to sow, it's not, I'm telling you, it will not be what you do deliberately for what you are going to get. It will be for the habit that you have formed that nothing good happening. You understand my point? I won't let any something, I won't let a bad thing happen if I can stop it in the place where I work. I would not be deficient or negligent in making sure that good things are happening. And that's a habit, though. That is a habit. Sometimes I go to um, this, uh, this teaching hospital, SO teaching hospital. Yes. I give lectures to students there. So I'll just I'll come out. It's raining. And I'll see seats that the school paid for. Wooden seats in the rain. One day I came out, I said, look, I called to some students, I said, come, come, follow me. Let's go and move the seats. Just what, it's just drizzling. You know the way wooden chairs are? Plywood. 
Rain falls on them twice, they are dead. I, I explain to the students, please. Then you will stand up and be pointing fingers at the federal government. What stops you? How can you stand there? And you are the one that brought it out. The institution put them inside the classrooms. You decide you want to read outside in the evening for a cool breeze and all of that. You finish reading, you pack your books and you walk to your hostel. People are throwing their way their destinies every day. They don't understand. And they need and say, God increase me, prosper me. God said, I gave you the opportunity on a daily basis to prosper. You rejected it. I tell the Christians, these are the kind of the Christians you do, Christian association, organizations. Just say we are Christians volunteering that to make sure that the chairs don't spoil. If you are in your hostels and it starts raining, wake up, come out, scan the environment. Any of our chairs outside, move them in. You don't need national award. You don't need anybody to recognize you. You know the truth? Christians, God is watching every one of those things. He's watching it one by one. And let me tell you the truth. The excuse you give that... Uh, that is the story he wants. <laughs> you know, human beings are foolish from, from the rich ones to the poor ones. The small ones to the big ones. Foolishness is plenty. Once in my institution, they said some people donated, is it $5,000 or $10,000? I can't remember exactly what. I think it was $5,000. So they sent, said on the platform where all the big chiefs, the consultants and the place where they are, that what do we do with the money? See, see, volunteer, that everyone was volunteering to spend it. Um, what this, the children emergency unit needs now is this. That money will just be appropriate and enough to do this. And everybody says, oh, it is nice. Ah, another person, a surgeon will shout. No, what we need is in the theater. We will do this one, make an answer. Once you do that, we'll be doing head transplant. Now, nah, I just amplified that a bit. You get my point. Then the methodology people came and said, no, 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 no. We have this machine that's not working. The major part that needs to be replenished. And when they finished explaining what they needed to do, in fact, I went for their own suggestion. So there were three suggestions, I remember, that could soak in the five or $10,000. Okay, let's just say 5000 to make it easier. I don't want to think now. I think it was $5,000. Being donated by alumni, UNN alumni in the United States. So just wanted to do something back at home. Say, okay. You guys let us know, know something we can do. We have about $5,000 to give towards it. So and I said something. I said, wait, guys, have you noticed something? $5,000 showed up as a donation. And three critical parts of this institution was going to be resuscitated by $5,000. I said, what does that tell us? If we get $15,000, we can do all of it. Somebody has given us $5,000. I said, we are the highest paid, we are the top of the food chain in this place. You know the cut of the food chain? People earning normal salaries, nobody gets more than those of you who are on this platform. I said, it's easy for us to raise the balance 10,000. So that we won't have to discuss on who gets it. Incidentally, around that time, 12 of our colleagues died. And we normally do, it's a good thing, deduct money from the association members and give to the family. So they are for two straight months, a good, not too much, of course, not big, but I think like 10,000 have been taken from each of our salaries, okay, to give to the people's families. So I said, Exco, you are here, right here. Let's decide that that deduction goes on for another two months. And I showed them that, I did a small calculation, that each month the deduction will come to over $5,000 if you take it back down to US dollars. 
I said, so for two more months, all this argument comes to an end. We get the money. Pediatrics gets. Their children emergency gets. Surgery gets. Hematology gets. And everybody's happy. You know what happened? Total silence. <laughs> no forwarding. Total silence. After some hours, I think the next day, I said, how come there's no comment on my suggestion? <laughs> Our chairman at that time, the association chairman, he said, eh, that is the problem. People never agree to comment on serious matters. One other person now responded to him. Now listen to this. And that's what I want to tell you Christians never to say, never to do. He said, why should I use my money to do that which the management is supposed to do? I didn't say your money. I said 10,000 out of your own multiplied by the money of 200 other people. Yours is a tiny amount. I told him, I said, but the first 5,000 you were all voting on, was it the management money? It came from human beings too. And you were willing to vote on it. I don't need to tell you, by the end of that week, I had left the chat group. I left it. No, I, I, I couldn't continue living like this. No, I know. I said, no. Hang out with people like this. My faith will shrink. I'll just be going to, I'll just be jamming everybody's car. You won't know why. I said, no, thank you very much. No, 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 excuse me. But Christians, I'm teaching us what the Bible calls being faithful in that which belongs to somebody else. I told somebody, I said, there are things you used to buy respect for yourself. Yeah, you used to buy respect for yourself. Just take the money for the rest of the year. And before management talks, you solve a problem. Next time you want to talk to them, they will listen to you. Listen, God have mercy on you. Don't open your mouth and insult the head of state. He's more righteous than most people you know. I'm talking about faithfulness in that which belongs to somebody else. Believers in Christ Jesus, anything you encounter, this is, a, this is our culture as believers. We treat those things as if they are, they are ours. You work for federal government, you treat their car as if it's your personal car. That is in the amount of love and care you have for it. That's why I said I had a number of stories to tell you. First stories from the Bible. Jacob. Jacob saved Laban. You know the rest of the story. Let me say something to you. Anything you are doing, God is the one watching. Everything you are doing, who's watching? It's not your boss. Appraiser is irrelevant to him. Your boss's appraiser does not determine what, where God will place you tomorrow. Let your boss fail you. But make sure you do what is right. God hates eye service. Do you know how you know who are doing eye service? They only do things for those who can directly favor them. When their boss's daughter is doing wedding, they will break the bank to buy a gift. When the gate man's daughter is doing wedding, they won't remember anything. That's how you know you are doing eye service. It's not about honor now. It's eye service. Let's not not go down to some things. The Lord is good. I was about to ask him some bad things that we preachers do. Listen, God is the one that will reward you. Your boss doesn't have the power to give you what God wants to give you. And if God wants to give you something, he doesn't have the power to stop it. If you know the God you are dealing with, he can kill a whole human being to give you 2,000 naira promotion. Yeah? I'm telling you, I know how he behaves. He will look at him and say, you, you are too useless. Why am I keeping you alive? This my son will get 24,000 naira extra a month. Kill him. Yeah. Kill that guy. 
He said, ah, the value of human life, you are the one that don't, they don't understand. God don't calculate this guy in a short one. Being on the earth <laughs> is, de- <laughs> is depleting earthly resources. So that 20, 24,000 a year he's about to deny you becomes the, the his cup will be full. There are men that have died because they didn't allow somebody to promote one step. So please don't worry about your boss. That's what I'm saying. Don't worry about him. Don't worry about him. Don't even think about him. As in whether he can stop your promotion or he can't. Think about the Lord. Anything you want to do, anything you are supposed to do, do it as unto the Lord. Talking about culture of Christianity. Let people look, let them let them ask you, what is it self? Do you own this company? If they say get to work by eight, go there by eight. The one that doesn't concern you, do itself. Show faithfulness, especially, that's my emphasis today, I'm talking about workers. In that which does not belong to you, but it belongs to the federal government, it belongs to the state government, it belongs to a big institution, a corporation. You know why? Because as far as God is concerned, that is what he put in your hands and he's going to judge you based on how faithful you are to him in that area. Yeah. He's going to judge you based on how faithful you are to him. Jacob, we know the story. We won't bother reading. All of us know the story of Jacob. Jacob worked so hard that he made Laban rich. And all the years he worked for Laban, not one goat was lost as far as Laban was concerned. Not one was lost to any lion or to a thief. 20 years he served Laban. Do you know that? Seven years for the first girl. Seven years for the second girl. Six years. Those girls were expensive. (laughs) Seven years for one girl. Seven years for the second one. Six years for his his money. Now, I don't know whether I get get the point. It means for the first 14 years, he was paying dowry. The next six years, he was now working for money. And in that process, his wages, 10 times... Laban changed what he was supposed to end ten times. Now, there was something I kept on saying. No animal was lost. No ghost, no sheep. Lion didn't tear anyone. Do you know why? I'll tell you. Because every time one got lost, Jacob always found a way to replace it. Some people say that, ah, a lion ate my goat yesterday. They say, oh, my goats are never eaten as long as they are with uh, Jacob. Jacob knows how to fight lions. No, some of them were eaten. But Jacob was so faithful. Now, this is the point. When it was time to pay, Jacob said to Laban, I'm leaving. Laban said, no, don't go. Okay, tell me from now on what I will pay you. They said, all right. Every animal that has stripes or has spots, that one will be mine. Laban said, fine. Now, you know how God did it. So when Laban said like that, that, he quickly ran, told his men, his, his children, go and gather every animal that has a spot or has stripes, and remove them from the head. Because they are likely to give birth to new ones. So, <laughs> Jacob came back next day, the head was pure white, or pure black. No spots, no stripes, nothing. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Now, it was God's word that came to him. And God said to him, Jacob, there's no problem. Where do they meet when they come to drink? Go there. Get sticks. Put patterns on them. Put them before the animals. Look, I know a bit of science. Most of us here do. That thing has no scientific basis. 
to let you know it was God that said to Laban, time to pay you. To, to say to Jacob, time to pay you. As the animals were delivering, you go see pure white sheep go bomb picking, spots all over. It go be like, it go be like a cheetah. I've been a leopard. Ah. You will see pure black goats will deliver. You look like zebra. Laban could not understand it. At the end of the day, you know what happened? The animals that were strong, when they want to mate, that is the one Jacob will put the stick in front. I mean, I bomb it up picking a bag. When you look at one animal that doesn't look so strong, you remove his stick. I beg, born for labor. <laughs> They're not this good. <laughs> of course, we know the rest of the story. Jacob became so wealthy. He actually out, you know, he out, what's the English word? He over, overtook Laban in wealth. Let me tell you, because God was paying him, that's where I'm going. He served Laban faithfully for 14 straight years. In the last six years, Laban said, let me defraud this man. God said, just watch it. Just watch it. By the time it was done, he was richer than Laban. Why? When they were quarreling, he said, let's make a long story short. Both of them testified. When I made you rich, you know that. I worked for you so well you became rich. But what was your plan? That I would get nothing. Said so then God, you know what he said? He said, Well, you know that the God of my father, Abraham, and the fear of Isaac was with me. Essentially, what was he saying? The payment I got, it came from God. And my teaching to you, people of God, today is this don't worry about who is paying you physically speaking. Where you will go tomorrow, we know our Bible, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that what we see. Do not come out of things that are visible. What you are doing now is not what your destiny will come out of. You can't plan it. You can't plan it. You don't know where you are going. You don't know where you are going. You don't. Oh, you think you do. You don't. That's why I tell Christians all the time. Don't worry about tomorrow. And, sorry, that's what I say, say to Christians all the time. I read the Bible for them all the time. Don't worry about tomorrow. You can't plan for tomorrow. It is not possible. You can't be in school. You know, people ask me that. Where was that? Was it in Unibendi? I was asked this last weekend when I was there. Hey, what is wrong with, um, what, okay, for example, you're you a medical student, you like this kind of specialty. What's wrong with uh, planning for it today? I said, nothing wrong with it, but just know that you won't get there. Where you will get to, you know what? You don't know. Plot, plot any, I told the story of my life. I told them, do you know the Enugu? You know Enugu? That's where we are right now. This city, the most beautiful city in Nigeria after Abuja. But spiritually the most beautiful. You understand? Uh-huh. This Enugu, I, it never crossed my mind one day until a few months before I came here. It didn't cross my mind in primary school. It didn't cross my mind in secondary school. It didn't cross my mind in university. It didn't cross my mind during NYC. It didn't cross my mind all my years of doing postgraduate in Luz in Lagos. So something that I was done, one of my friends said, have you considered coming to Enugu? Which plan would I have made to come here? Listen, that's how life is. You can't plan your future. What you can do is to be faithful today. So I tell students, listen, while you're in school, four years, six years, whatever it be the course you're studying, that is one day. That is one day. Make sure that you are faithful in learning you know, I'm being useful. You're in campus fellowship. Be useful. You're in a departmental association. Be useful. Be faithful. 
You, they put some small, small boys in charge of departmental money. They are eating it. Hi. Some people just took their destiny, wake up in the morning and say, destiny, you will die by fire. <laughs> and the same people will start praying tomorrow, every power, fighting my destiny. I'm closing now. People of God, it's God that will take you to where you are supposed to go. And as Christian workers, our faith shows in how we handle that which belongs to somebody else. Listen to me. Don't even be concerned whether you are being paid what you are worth. I hope you are getting my point. No. Oh, you must understand. God gives you the opportunity to be faithful on a daily basis. I know what he does. Sometimes he deliberately makes sure that your boss is Laban. Laban is good for Jacob. Any Jacob in the house, Laban is good for you. The more Labanic your boss is, just know the more Jacobic you are in your life. And every iota of Jacob must be removed Amen. for you to step into the destiny that God has prepared for you. The more you hold on to the Jacob nature, the stronger your Laban will become. So don't blame Laban. Say, Jacob, how long are you going to dwell in my life? Is it to blame Jacob, Jacob all the time? Uh, Laban. Is it to blame him? My boss doesn't like me. He favors the other person. Any little mistake I make, he will shout. You're coming all the time. He prefers the other fellow. This one has been promoted over me two times. I know I work more than him. I know I work more than her. Now listen to me. Can I say this to you? You are the one that thinks so. And that statement is not a joke. One day I went somewhere. One guy said, what if you know in that work you are the wizard? I said, oh boy, forget that wizard thing. You are the one that thinks so. The other people don't think so because he's a workman. I said, it's when they are willing to pay for your wizardry, you know you're a wizard. It is not you to this. I don't know whether you get my point. Three of you are doing the same job. One man is charging 5,000. Another five, you are saying you are a wizard. Your own is 15,000. Don't argue. If they refuse to pay, you are not a wizard. You are getting my point? Because we easily wrongly estimate ourselves. Everybody thinks it's the best. You are the one that thinks you are better than the other fellow. Sometimes you don't even know what God is judging. You don't know what the boss is judging. Some people, they are gra-gra people, and the boss hates gra-gra people. He likes people with initiative. Some people, they say, okay, go this way. They say, no break, no jam. But one last line, no sense. You just be going. And you don't know that the boss has checked that this boy doesn't have sense. But you are estimating yourself based on what? No break and no jam. But the boss places 50% on what? No sense. What I'm saying is that don't concern yourself. Don't be the one assessing, uh, 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 like, I, I know I'm better than the other people that they are promoting. Don't ever say it. It's a sign of pride. God will keep you on the same spot for a long time. Every man's way is right in his own eyes, or even the ones that his ways are wrong. If indeed you are right, don't worry. God is watching. You have no reason to be bitter. Please, I'm talking about what? Christian culture. Without these things, the blessings that God has given us in the realm of the Spirit will not come. If they promote somebody else in the office, you are not promoted and you think you deserve it, don't worry. It's one of two things. Either you really don't deserve it, or the Jacob in you needs to be capped. It needs to be taken out. First thing you do is to thank God. Lord, thank you. This is the week of promotion. I was not promoted. Your name be praised. I know, I'm, I, I, know I deserve it. You know my boss is a womanizer. And because I preach righteousness, he's angry with me. You know, you are the one that thinks so. You are the one that thinks so. I don't have time now to tell stories. Many times people go for example. 
you know, I've been examining for a long time at different levels. You know, undergraduate people, postgraduate people, you. Some people will finish the exam, they come bragging and say, Oh, more, I finished them. You look at their scripts. You look at their scripts. You look at the script. The emptiness is. You understand? You see, you, you, you are wondering, is this guy, does he have a brain in his head? Or he thinks with his butt? You know, you are wondering, what's wrong with this guy? Meanwhile, the same guy is outside warning, telling everybody, say, oh boy. <laughs> I finished them. <laughs> and then when he fails, he remembers that the lecturer is from Kano and he's from Woody. <laughs> the lecturer voted for Good Lord Jonathan, he voted for Buhari. And the lecturer found out since that, you start hearing stories. You know, when you go and meet the man who assessed him, say, look at this paper, the boy does not know anything. That's why I tell Christians, never assess yourself, decide by yourself you deserve something or you don't deserve another. God is watching your life. He knows what you deserve. He will give you at the right time. And while he's not bringing that thing you think you deserve, think of yourself as what? Jacob. Just know that you are wrestling with God. You are still wrestling. What you do periodically be removing the things that are negative out of your life. Listen, Christian workers, they are faithful. That's a summary, yes. I like the way I'm ending it. Christian workers are faithful workers. They are like Daniel. And there's a second story I said I wanted to tell you. For, my t- for time's sake, I will just rush through it. A man told me that he served one particular man. I think in the nature of somewhere. I forgot exactly where. Working in the shop. Served the man faithfully for years. The day was going to be freed and settled. He took the man's car out to go and teach another person who was taken over from him. And they had a small accident in a pickup. If I remember well, he tried to quickly repair it, but the boss still found out. And he deducted the money for the repair, but he served that man faithfully for years. Now, let me make long story short. By the time he was telling me the story was a billionaire, counting in Naira. What the boss didn't say to him with, God did. Let's bow down heads to pray. Let's give the Lord thanks. Let's commit ourselves to faithfulness. Christian workers are faithful people. That is how we plot our destiny. That's how we plan for our future. That is how we plot our destiny. That's how we plot, plan for our future. We walk like Joseph, who made Pharaoh rich. We walk like Daniel, who put the heart of the people he served to rest. Put them at rest. Darius was so rested in anything that Daniel controlled. He said he would put him in charge of the whole kingdom. That's what Christians are. Dedicate yourself today to that Daniel spirit. Dedicate yourself to that Joseph spirit. Dedicate yourself to that Jacob spirit. That in the good side. Serving Laban. So that Laban one day said, I have divined that I have become rich because of you. Your testimony is not how much you earn. It's in who you make rich. It's in what you cost to succeed. That's your testimony. In due season, God will raise you up to where he wants you to be. He will, he will. Dedicate yourself in prayer. Say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I commit myself again.